What's up, everybody? Welcome to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. I just got my thumb. Are you impressed that I actually did it? Good job. You've been working on your speech. I've been working on my speech. I used to say in the gome, in the gome, in the gome. In the gomer pile. All right, not much is happening, but we thought we'd do. It's January 22nd. It's the all-star break. Bye week, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's in Mexico getting... Getting shit-faced. Getting fucking hammered, eh? Why not talk about hockey? Exactly. Why not do a recap of the season thus far? So we thought we'd do a quick little recap of I what's did, been going on. Believe it or not, I did a little bit of math. We've played pretty much 60% of the season. 60 or 60? 60. Well, how many games have we played? 51 or 50? Yeah, 50 games. 50 games. 5-0, the big 5-0. And listen, I know Giordano comes out and says, hey, you know, if... You would have told us we'd be in a playoff spot come the All-Star break, tied for, you know, first place, yada, yada. Yeah, we'd take it, yada, yada. Do you like that? I don't like that at all. And I, I realize some people are like, well, he's probably referencing the, the whole Bill Peters thing specifically, like with all the shit that happened with that. Sure. I mean, this, sure. Okay, let's be honest. Sure. Out of the 31 teams in the league, the Flames have by far and away faced the most adversity this year, have they not? 100%. I mean, the Leafs are close, Dude, their too. coach got fired for being a racist. I think it doesn't really compare. Their le- the Leafs are close, too. I'd say the Stars are probably pretty close. Yeah, for sure. Because yep. all three teams have gone on significant losing streaks. I mean, San Jose, arguably, arguably. Yep, arguably, too. Change of coaching, they long losing streaks. Shitter. So, yeah, but I, you still got to give the slight edge to the Flames. Yeah, especially because we were the forerunners. Because even Montgomery was let go for non-hockey related reasons. reasons. But it was right after in the wake of Bill Peters. So it wasn't that, didn't startle everybody that much. Yeah. Plus the whole TJ Brody thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. It just seems like one thing after another. Yeah, definitely does. So I still don't like how what Gio said, to be honest. And I'm not like a guy who's like, oh, you got to... But, I mean, it was still kind of a weird thing to say for your captain to say, like, after you've been pretty much dog shit all year. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> it's kind of like the whole half-empty, half-full thing. I think, actually, Steinberg was talking about this the other day. He made a good point. That, sure, if you want to look at this as this is half-full, the thing is, if you look at all the rest of the underlying metrics for the team, it's yeah. definitely half empty. Well, see, that's what, uh, it's not even half empty. It's like the goddamn glass hasn't even been filled with anything. It's like there's no sign. For me, there's been no, very little outside of that seven-game win streak. And even then, it was kind of like, yeah, we're just like, we went in the shootout. We went in overtime. It's like there's been very little about this season And I guess all yeah. that's been like, okay, we can maybe turn this around. And I guess that's why I have a problem with it too is because it's kind of like tree living – Tree Living's at a point now where when he speaks, I just tune him out. Because yeah, he says the same old shit. Same old bullshit. We have faith in this team. We believe in this group. It's like he's not even he's not even trying to articulate anything of value anymore. He's just coming on there and, and blowing smoke Same old shit. Same old shit. So, to me, that's a similar conversation Giordano coming out. And then it's like, okay, if somebody told you, let's go through some of these stats... That where are we for goals for in the league? Well, if somebody told you that you were in the bottom third of the league in goals for... Bottom third? Bottom third in the league in goals against. The only team currently holding a playoff spot who has a negative goal differential at negative 12. Um, I mean, take your, take, take your pick. As well as all five of your guys that... That finished in the top 25 in scoring last not year. Not even on pace for 70 points. Or, like, I mean, Gaudreau's on pace for... 
what, 60 points, 65 points. They're not even on pace to come close to like. He had he had 73 points last year at the break. He's got 38. He's not even on pace to match his break total, his season total. No. Connor McDavid has way more points already than than. Sorry, let me, let me put that right. Yeah. He's not even on pace right now to match what he was he, at this point last year for the whole season. Like that's insane. And that's pretty much true for the majority of the of the team. I think, other than Kachuk, who's still not on pace to eclipse his total of last year, but like nobody's, dude, nobody's even close, man. Outside of Lindholm and, and Chucky, there's really no one really producing. At a really consistent pace. Well, I mean, even if you look at Kachuk, is he really producing at that high of a pace? He's as many points as Gaudreau. We both have 38 points. Well, that's the thing. Our leading scorer on the team is ranked where in the league? Yeah, like definitely in the bottom third, right? Like how high? 64th and 65th in the league in scoring are Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau right now. And like just rattle off some of those names that Uh, that are... Higher in scoring than both Matthew Kachuk. Well, Brock Nelson, noted goal and, scorer Brock Nelson. And Johnny Gaudreau, yeah. He has he has just as many points as both those guys. Mika Zibanejad, who's been injured. Keith Yandel, he's a defenseman. Dougie Hamilton would be leading the team in scoring if he was on the team. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. Dadnov, Verona. Not these are bad players, but you're telling me these guys are, these guys are scoring more than our two best players? More than anybody on our team? Victor Hedman. Sam Reinhart. And we'll make this point Ryan too. Ryan Strom. We'll make this point too. Thomas Tatar. We come on here and we'd like to bitch. We do. I would like I'd prefer to not have to come on here and bitch. Right? I'd prefer to come on here and talk about how great the team's been. And I get it, yeah. Terrible. You have people, right, all over social media, we see them. They're like they're way too optimistic. It's not even optim. It's not even optimism in my in my what is from it? my perspective. It's almost like delusional. It's total. It's like delusion. That's what we're it not is. gonna. We're not. This isn't a negative podcast. Mm-mm. But at the same time, what you're mostly gonna get is real. What is it? Analysis. Realist. You're gonna get realist. Critical analysis. You're gonna get critical analysis based on realist takes. Yeah. We're not. We don't like. We we definitely. Fall into pessimism from time to time. We definitely fall into optimism from time to time. But for the most part, we're pretty grounded in realism. So that's what we're going to talk about today is like the facts, the stats. Where do we rank in the league? Yeah. And it's not good. And that's why when when Mark Giordano comes out, I say, yeah, we're happy with it. We'll take it. It's like, why would you be happy with that? We're supposed to be happy with this shit? We're supposed to be happy with being barely in the playoffs with a negative goal differential, being one of the lowest scoring teams in the league with a terrible power play? And you're on pace for... How many points is he on pace for? Mark Giordano has 22 points this season. Like, how, a, how many points did he have at the break the, last year? Garen, dude, was almost a point-per-game player last year. It's 74 points. So he probably was around the 50-point mark. Mark Giordano is currently on pace for 36 points. Can you believe that, folks? 36 points. Mark Giordano. He had 74 points and won the Norris last year. Michael Backlund is on pace for 36 points. Derek Ryan is the fifth leading scorer on this hockey club. Can you believe that? Yes. The way that this team is played, I can. Okay, so. If you, you were to ask me before the season starts, I'd say no. I'm just, 
I'm going to throw out some stuff and we'll just go through it a little bit here. So it's, and let, let me just, the reason why we're doing it, like it's been painful. Like there have been some very painful games to watch. It's been, again, I've said this a million times. I've said it too much. It reminds me so much of the 17, 18 season, right? Like even in, even what, even the game to game, what happens in a game. That's why I'm so frustrated with Jeff Ward. Cause it's like Jeff Ward is literally Glenn Galtzen 2.0. Cause what is the MO of this team? Lots of shot attempts. Very few quality. Yeah. Can't score. Make other goalies look like world beaters. Oh, he was... Wow. This random backup goalie that nobody's ever heard of. Oh, wow. He looks like a goddamn Vesman. This this guy's coming off a a four-game injury. Missed four games straight. Well, he... He looks so. He's back in. Lose games you should win. Win games you should lose. Like, does that not sound like the 17-18 team to you? Sure does to me. You know, like... And I've... Honestly, I've been really trying... To stay optimistic. Well, but, I, I don't even but, think it's optimistic. But, look, but it's like, just af- like after that Ottawa Senators games, like I fucking had it. Like it's not even. Oh, I want to be optimistic. It's like I want to be. I want to feel like this team can turn it around. It's not even optimism. It's like you want to have genuine belief. Yeah. It's not like oh, I think they can. You do don't want to be. Like, re- I want to see something. You don't want to have to have fucking blind faith. You want to have, have. You want genuine belief. Exactly. And the people who keep saying oh, well, they're still in the playoffs. Yeah, but they're still a point out of the playoffs. With like, with they, five teams in between. Exactly. Like they could be in tenth or in the playoffs. So like I don't buy that as an argument. So you're in a playoff hunt right now with five other teams, even though you're in a in a first in the division hunt with five other teams you're also a playoff hunt like that's where it's like it gets distracting that's where people come back oh well we're almost first in the pacific yeah but you're still hunting for a playoff spot yeah like uh, that like you're going another five year losing streak and bye bye there goes all the rest of the that teams argument the carries no weight to me that we're in a playoff spot because we're one point out if we were in the east we'd be in the bottom third of the east like if you look if you look point percentage wise currently we're 16th in the league in the league okay in terms of points percentage, 570. So we're the last playoff team. We're the last playoff team. Arizona Coyotes right below. Yeah, Arizona and Vegas are right below us. So we're in Nashville. So that's another thing. It's like I see a couple of those teams, and it's like those teams have had okay underlying numbers. They're probably – they have done more this season, especially Vegas, to indicate that they're going to turn it around and start climbing up the standings. Right. We haven't. Right. From all the numbers I see, we will tumble down the stings real quick if we keep this up. I feel like the only way... Okay, if I, I don't know how I want to put this. The only way we're going to A, make the playoffs, and B, actually do something is if we have a remarkable turnaround second half. Like, it's going to have to be remarkable. Man. And notably, what that looks like is these top guys that were thrown off... Johnny, Monty, Matthew, Lindholm, Geo. You like they're on pace for career low seasons. All of them. All of them are. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, even people keep throwing out like, "Oh, Lindholm's got 20 goals." I mean, he's got 36 points. He's on pace for 55-60 points. It's not good enough. If he's, if he's your number one centerman. And that's why if you follow us at all and you hear us even on our lives, this comes back to A, coaching, 
and B, overall management, overall team management. Well, you, you've talked about this a lot this week. Why don't you get into A, how the roster's been mismanaged, probably by the coach right now. Big time. I got issues with almost every line right now. Pretty much every line. Because Backlund shouldn't be on the second line. Backlund should not be in the top six. Look I at him. Like, I feel like Backlund... I don't know. I think we're starting to get to a point where it's like, I don't know if Michael Backlund belongs in this team. I, I, I'm i at a point right now where I'm, I've never been at this point. I am totally fine with trading him. Because for a very long time, Michael Backlund was very underrated by a lot of the fan base in what he did on the ice. He's a great two-way player. Yep. But we were looking at some of his underlines a couple weeks ago. And it's like, he hasn't really been that effective as a defensive forward for a few years. His shot attempt metrics, shot attempt against metrics are, are not great. His expected goals against are not great. Like, he hasn't been as not even near the same kind of defensive forward you'd expect him to be. And he doesn't score goals. Yep. So he's quickly becoming a five point, was it $5.3 million player who's not doing much for you. No. And like you said, his expected goals for is, he's your team has a better chance of scoring a goal with him sitting on, on the bench. Well, this is a then stat. It, then with him this on is the a ice. stat I always I pull it up all the time. It's just a chart right on Money Puck. It's expected goals on versus off the ice, and there's only been four forwards who have consistently been in the better without them category quadrant, i.e., when they are not on the ice, the expected goal rate goes up. You're expected to score more goals when these four players are off the ice. Is Lindholm, Gaudreau, Monahan, Backlund. That is a, that's that tells the story of the season right there. Right there, there's your season there's, in a nutshell. There's the problem. There's why we can't score. There's why we're struggling to even keep a playoff spot. Because four of your arguably you really only have five, like I don't even know if you count Backlund in there. No, I would. If you if you do for argument's sake, and I mean Manji Penny maybe he's showing he's more effective than those guys right now. But even if you count him, four of your six top six forwards. You're better at scoring goals when they aren't on the ice. That is a huge issue. Like, like that's a huge issue. How is Goudreau even in that? Like, I, it's, it's mind-boggling. Like, the 5-on-5 five five per 60 minutes on-ice expected goal percentage with Sean Monahan, 45%. When he's off the ice, 52 And that's not even mentioning how bad the PP is. Exactly. Backlund, on-ice goal, expected goal percentage, 47%. When he's off, 51 Goudreau, very similar... Lindholm, very similar. Now, I just like, okay, we discussed this, bit, what was it, two minutes ago, of how all the guys that had career seasons last year are going to have career lows. Now, to me, that's, that's way too many coincidences to say, oh, it's just like, there has to be a reason why this is happening. Well, and yeah, people, this is what people keep throwing back to me lately. And again, because I'm a big Goudreau, Goudreau specifically, I'm a big defender of him. Because like the narrative always is, as soon as shit goes wrong, I'll trade Goudreau. So I'm always defending Goudreau. But something that's been thrown back to me is like, well, star players have off seasons. You're telling me three, you're the, one of the best lines in hockey last year. They're all having off seasons. All three players. Plus your best defenseman who won the goddamn Norris Trophy last year. Oh, he's having an off season too. No. And so Michael Backlund's having an off season. So then you would think 
that the organization led by Bradtree Living with the help of the head coach is starting to decipher why do they do this? We're sitting here deciphering it. Are they doing it? Well, Brad's in on everything, so, you know, he's he's active. From our analysis, what you and I can decipher, this all started against Colorado. And I keep coming back to this. The biggest difference I notice between how this team plays now and how this team played last year, there's no transition game. We have zero transition game now. Last year, we were probably in the top three best transition teams in the entire league. Every night, we generated chances off the rush. Every night, we had we broke out of our end with ease, with speed. We made it hard. We backed teams into their own end right away, nonstop, all night long, for 60 minutes straight. We generated chance after chance. What, we we were the second highest, third second highest? highest scoring team, tied for second. Where are we now? We are seventh worst. So if you look at, if you take a handful of all-star players, Johnny, Monty, Lindholm, Kachucky, Giordano. G- Giordano, you tell me it's one big fat coincidence why they all, all of a sudden none of them can generate anything? I reject that hypothesis. Because what happened was... And I remember game one this year against Colorado, in Colorado. This is game one of this season, not the playoffs. Eric Francis did a little piece, and he said, I talked to Coach Bednar. What gave you guys so much success last year against Calgary? Word for word. Word for word. Well, we knew they were a really good transition team. You can go look this up. So we tried to prevent them from breaking out of their own end and transitioning with speed. And that's how they beat the Calgary Flames. Because the season we're having now is the mini-series we had against Colorado. 100%. Every issue that we had in that in that series has been one of the main reasons why we can't do dick this year. And you even said in Game 1 against Colorado, hey, this looks like the playoff series all over again. They're beating us at our, at our game. They're doing... Like, Game 1, I remember watching it and being like, they're doing the exact same thing. Like, And it was so disappointing because it was like... I thought... It wouldn't be like that. And it was like literally if there was a game six of that series, yep. that very first game looked pulled right out of that series. It's the exact same thing. Like the exact same thing. Did Backlund miss another empty net? Probably. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so because we look at this and now the more I think about it, I'm convinced that 80% of that series going awry was being outcoached. Well, probably even more so than that. And it's, this isn't, it's not, it doesn't go just one way. Bill Peters, I don't think. I think he was out of his league. And Bednar proved that he is a fucking good coach. So it went both ways. Not only was Bill Peters bad, Bednar was great. Yeah, totally. But the coaching mismatch was like not even remotely close. Different dude, leagues. Dude, Jared Bednar made Bill Peters his bitch. 100%. Five games in a row. And then what you do is you look into the, how we start this season... You and I were just talking about this. For some reason, instead of finding... Because Bill Peters did not find an in-series adjustment. Like we said, he didn't find a Game 1 adjustment this season. And instead of continuing to find an adjustment and and still be a good transition team... continue to do what made you successful ultimately. What it looks like we're seeing is that he completely changed the style of play of this team. 
Because you notice right in the first couple weeks, what what is this? They're dumping the puck in? Like what, every what? every time they get the puck at the blue line. Since it was like so foreign for us. Since when are these when are, when is this team dumping the puck in? And I remember in, in the beginning they weren't even chasing. They were just dumping and changing. Yeah, and they do that. Yeah, dump dump and change. That's what we've come to call it. The season of dump and change. And not only that, but we have a struggle on a nightly basis to break out of our end with speed. It's like we don't do it anymore. All I see now is you, the D-men, if they get the puck, they just stand there and they wait for the other team to set up. Dude, it's unbelievable. They like, literally give them all the time in the world. The other team could be in the midst of a change. We don't try to force the puck. We don't try to rush the puck. We don't try to up the puck. We just stand there and wait for the other team to set up and then we try and do a, some sort of weird breakout around them. Or they do that long stretch pass, little tip in dump. Well, that's usually what we do. Yeah. And then now you're just trying to dump a chase. Yeah. And then the other thing, like, because they, they don't really public or publicize um, zone entries very much. Like a few a few places do it privately, like, like private sports companies track it. But last year, like, Gaudreau was, like, one of the best. One of zone the entries. best. And he's still up there, but he's definitely lower. For zone entries. For zone for, controlled yeah. zone entries. Carrying the puck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I noticed with that too is like, and and this is obviously they've been practicing this and and as part of their systems being coached, the forwards are nowhere near the D men. Like, here's the thing: if you're watching the game on TV, and you see the poor the the, the D men setting up in the own end in their own end doing some DDD passes, do you see any forwards nearby? No. Like, where are they? They're, they they fly the zone and they stand right outside the opposing team's blue line. Do you see what's happening? Everybody's standing still. There's zero speed. We're not breaking out of our end with speed anymore. So they either tip it in at the blue line or they get it there and they're standing still and carry the puck in. How many times do you see odd man rushes anymore? Have you? When, can you remember one? I'm trying to rack my brain right now. The only one I can remember is that one game, I think it was against the Chargers or something, where Monaghan, right yeah. around the time that's Jeff the one I was first thinking started, it was like we were like, "Oh shit, they're back! They're doing the, they're doing it again." Monahan scored like a one timer off the rush. Well, he did one. What was it? Ottawa or something like that? Not too, not too long ago, but no, still, shit, I can't remember. It, it's so far and few between. Whereas you compare it to last season, it was on a nightly basis. We were generating two, three chances at least. And if two somebody, on one, if somebody can on ever find like somewhere where tracks odd man rushes for and against, please DM me on Instagram or something. Because I guarantee. We are one of the worst at giving up odd man rushes now and one of the worst at creating them. Where last year, that's like all we did last year. And this is also why, remember last year, how active our D was enjoying the rush? All the time, dude. Okay, the reason why you never see our, joy, our D joining the rush anymore is because there is no rush. <laughs> we don't have a rush. Great point. We just Great fucking point. dump it in and try and chase it. Dump it in, dump and change, dump and change. And this is what blows my mind. Is because we were talking about this last week. Well, part of maybe the reason why we're trying to figure out who we are is like you were comparing it to the best team in the West last year. But then it's just like, well, what made us so good? The transition game made us so good. We have zero transition game and we stink. So this comes back to early in the season we saw a change in coaching style. And I remember you and I were like, what's Bill Peters doing? He's He got so outcoached that he can't even figure out how to get back to doing what made you good? You had to change your coaching style completely? 
Now you're just a dump and change team? I don't know why nobody ever asked him about that or why nobody asked Jeff Ward about this. Like, why doesn't somebody ask? Like, I don't I, know. Does anybody even notice? I'm even looking right now at an unblocked shot rate heat map from last year. Last year, one of the best teams from shooting in the slot. Primarily, we sh- are, that's like literally the only place we shot from. And we were talking to that guy on Twitter and he was saying how like, remember last year? It's like they would just shoot from right inside the slot. Yeah. Compared to this year, there's nothing coming from the inner slot. Zero. It's all coming from the left wing blue line. Mark Giordano. Yep. It's all coming from the, from the high slot. It's all coming from the left side of the goal line. Johnny Gaudreau. The thing is, we can't even get the puck. Like we, Are you telling me this is a four-checking team? You want to know what a four-checking team was? The Calgary Flames under Daryl Sutter. There was, tena- there was tenacious four-checking the- every single night, night after night. We were actually able to retrieve pucks because we had guys that were willing to hit. And also, if you watch the Vegas Golden Knights under Gerard Gallant, that's a four-checking team. They go get that puck. We don't. That's why we can't get slots from the shot because we can't even get the fucking puck. So you can't retrieve the puck. You don't four-check. You don't transition. Sounds like a recipe for being... How the fuck the, are you going to score goals? In the in bottom the third. You have all these high-caliber players having down seasons. That's why. They're, every single one of them is doing it. How are you going to score goals... If you don't forecheck, if you have no transition game, you don't score on the power play. You just sink the, the pucks magically and go in. And you just fire pucks from the perimeter. How do you win hockey games like that? Well, you, you, what, you, what we're seeing is you don't. How many goals have you scored in the last three games? I mean, outside of the third period in Ottawa, we had one goal in eight periods. Yet there we were doing the exact same thing. Okay, so let's compare some underlying goal goals metrics. And my other problem with that is that I feel like Ward's even a little more clueless than Bill Peters. Yeah, 100%. He hasn't come in and restored any faith for me here. Well, and he hasn't come in and, like, here's what I was hoping to see and what I haven't seen at all. I was hoping Jeff Ward to come in and, like, here's how I want my team to play hockey. And I wanted to see that. Whether or not I have an idea of what that would be, I don't know. But I wanted to, him to come in like, this is the system we play. Right. Because what do they play? What do they do? What do the Flames do well right now? Again, we have, don't transition. Don't forecheck. We got a pretty good penalty kill. And penalty our, kill is and okay. Our, and our goaltending has been great. Power play sucks. Power play is brutal. The only way we're generating, not even offense, the only thing we do is we dump the puck in and fire it from the perimeter. Like even on the power play, it's just perimeter, 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 perimeter. That's all that it is. Like literally, that's it, man. Well, and you keep track of these. You do these stats after every single game. Who the key performers were? Yeah. It's this. It's not the guys who it should be it's, ever. It's usually guys like Milan Lucic, Tobias Reader. It's Lucic, Reader, Lindholm's there sometimes. Kachuk sometimes. Derek wanna, Ryan, you Dylan Dubay. You want to know why? Because those are the guys that can actually like adjust to a style of dumping and chasing. Yeah, it's true, right? Because they play simple games. Yep. The other guys, they got way too much skill for this. 150 million percent agree with that. So to me, this keeps coming back to how poorly managed this team is. Yeah, and and, and even like we, we kind of didn't finish on, on how the lines are constructed right now. The lines are a mess. 
Like, we briefly talked about how Michael Backlund should not be with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. Like, if you're keeping Sam Bennett on your team, are you kidding me? Exactly. You're going to keep him on the fourth line? And you're going to have Backlund on the right wing on the first line? He kills that line. So, like, you can go... So, Backlund shouldn't be there. Third line. Lucic has been fine. Shouldn't be on the third line. No. He'd be, he can do exactly what he's doing, if not even more, on the fourth line. Exactly. He can do what he's doing on the fourth line, and he can do it more effective because he's playing a little bit less. You're telling me you've got Austin Zarnik... Glenn Godden and Alan Quine in the minors when your fourth line is currently populated with Mark Jankowski, Tobias Reeder, Zach Ronaldo. Those three guys well, shouldn't even be on the team. And that's that's it. For me, it goes both ways. You look at the guys that we don't have in the lineup that you think, well, let's see. These guys could probably contribute. Shouldn't be on the team. So there's an error in management. And you look at the guys that are consecutive in the lineup. Are you telling me Mark Jankowski? How much more of this guy do we have to see? Well, he scored. He's on a, he's on a roll now. <sighs> okay, I want to go. I, I wrote down as of today what I would do with the Lions. Yeah, the current, I like, I like on the current roster. Here's yeah. what I would do currently. I've said this time and time again. The most effective line, probably even dating back to last season's after the All Star break, is the Ryan Mangiapane Hathaway line. Mangiapane has only improved since last year. Ryan has been just as good. You tell me Sam Bennett's not going to be an improvement. On Hathaway, he does what Hathaway does, except he's got more skill, more offensive upside, and it's probably more finish. Exactly. So why wouldn't you go back to that? Make that your third line: Ryan totally. Bennett and Mangiapane. I'm convinced you cannot have Sam Bennett on your fourth line if you want to utilize this club properly. It is such a waste of well, a player. Again, especially when that right wing on the second line. I've been advocating trying on the second line at least. It's like it's been a revolving goddamn door. You're telling me Bennett isn't upgrade on Lucic on the third line or Backlund on the second line? No, he is. Period. Then you come down to the fourth line. I absolutely one hundred and twenty thousand percent believe Lucic needs to play on the fourth line if you want to maximize this roster. If you're convincing he belongs on the team, he has to play a fourth line role. My fourth line, I got Lucic centered by Quine with Zarnik. That would be so much more effective and half the price. Well, Lucic, but... Like, imagine, that'd be way more effective. Get out of here, Mark Jankowski. The, the fact, and this goes into the whole management thing again, the fact that this guy is still on this team. Well, it speaks to two things. Did Bradshaw Living learn nothing from the Joel Colburn experience? Why didn't he trade this guy when he scored 17 goals? Like, maximize that asset. Secondly... It speaks to his fucking... It's like... It's not patience, even. It's a hoarding. It's, that's what it is. It's a holding on problem. It's an inability to let go. To move on. To move forward. Let go, Brad. Let go. It's an inability to move forward. Second line. Actually, I'll come right down, back to the top line. Let's go to top line. You've been clamoring for this. It's been two years where we could have seen this... Some sort of iteration. I can't this. believe this has never been and tried. And we've never seen it? Monty, Johnny, and Chucky? Like, how has it never been tried before? How, in the midst of, like, ceaseless, uncountable line-juggling combinations that we've seen in the last two seasons, we still haven't seen this. And uncountable struggles of Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan this year. Put Kachuk with them! He's exactly what that line needs. Let's, exactly. Let's see it. Do it. What I've been saying the last couple weeks... The problem that Monty and Johnny have right now is 
they need to play with a guy that can think the game as quickly as they do because they're usually two, three steps ahead of people. That's why they're so good together. They think the same way. You need to pl- you can't put someone on that line that's going to slow them down. That's what we have in Backlund right now. 100%. Plus, Kachuk, is, his defensive impact has not been great this season, but it's been much better than Michael Backlund's. So if they want somebody who's quote-unquote defensively responsible or can play both ways, there you go. There's your best guy. Try it. That's like, to me, it's like if the Landeskog, McKinnon, Ranson in line had never been tried together. Right. Like, why wouldn't you try it? Try it. There's a reason why, even though you don't want to do it, if you're Edmonton, you keep coming back to Connor and, and Dreisaitl. Because it works. Because when you need goals, they can they can exactly. make it happen. Again, we can't score and we haven't tried this line yet. Come on! The only reason why I would be a little bit hesitant is the first line has been great. Mangiapane with Chucky Lindholm. But I think if you're looking at... You're gonna, I think they've been good. You, I don't you, think they've been great. Sure. They've been consistently good. Yeah. Let's say that. But to have your first line consistently good and your bottom three lines Shit. consistent consistently ineffective, yeah. you tell me that's a good trade-off? Nope. No. So that's what I would do for the second line. For now, if Backlund's going to be on this roster... Put him back in the center position. He's not effective as a winger. He just isn't. He's more effective in a center. He's yeah, he's more ineffective on the wing than Lindholm is at center. Totally. So yeah. that's why for now, as long as you've got to have back on your roster, I'm going to say back on center is the second line with Lindholm and Dubé. It's perfect. Not perfect. Still missing two top six forwards from that group. And that's the thing. This buys you time until you bring in another guy, and then you look at another options. But I don't see how any other iteration is going to work. I, and again, like I don't see how the the lack of willingness to try something else right now when we're literally scoring two goals per 60 minutes, one of the worst in the league. We, score, we pretty much, for all intents and purposes, got shut out two of three games on this road trip. You have to make an adjustment. Well, you've been shut out a league leading six times this year. Almost seven. This is the team has scored At more, will last more year. goals than 29 other teams last year. Shut out more than any other team. And that's just a coincidence? That doesn't... like that's that, I think that proves your point right there. That's not a coincidence. No. There's a very strong correlate between something, and it's probably the coaching style. Or maybe these guys just I suck think, all of a sudden. Honestly, I, I think it's a in this. I think it's a bad combination of both general management and coaching. Well, again, like this, okay, so net, moving into like the general managing thing, it's like okay, the, the roster is being mismanaged from a coaching's point of view, from a nightly night to night basis. Yeah. Yep. But it just boggles my mind that how like it's not people seem to be acting like. We've only just started to need a top six winger, like just this year. No, it was apparent in the playoffs last year. It was apparent last year. Which this it is was apparent the year before. This is what it was really, apparent the year before that. It was apparent the year before that. This is what really chaps our ass. Is that you? You had an amazing learning experience getting punked in five games against Colorado. And what are you supposed to do with with something like that? With a failure? With a learning experience? I I guess. And, and this is the argument people have, which I get it to a certain extent. Brad Tree Living did a pretty good assessment of what he needed, and he went out and tried to get it. So he was sniffing around the bush, but at some point, I know you <laughs> love that saying, 
But at some point, you need to be stop being the guy that's in on everything and just be the guy that can pull the fucking trigger. Do or do That's not. your job, do isn't it? Do or do not. Is that your fucking job like, as a you, general manager? Can you imagine it your job? Like this is like this is like me in my life trying to figure out what to do with my life. It's like nobody cares that I've tried a bunch of shit. I almost sent that email. I almost did it. I almost got that job. I almost took the money to the bank today. But you didn't. I almost hired a new employee that we needed. At some point, at some point, you have to fucking do it. I think he will. I'm just not convinced he'll do it right. But we'll see. And again, like, it's it's beyond the point right now where it's just like, oh, like, because... Everybody's like, oh, if we just get Toffoli. What do you think? That Tyler Toffoli is going to fix this roster? No. If what we've been clamoring about for the last half an hour is pretty damn accurate, which I believe it is, bringing another player in a system that's not properly designed for the team you have, it's going to do dick. Again, like what is Tyler Toffoli going to do? He's probably an okay player. You're so, going to bring in Tyler Toffoli and suddenly we're going to stop being one of the worst goal scoring teams in the league. I reject that. Now I'm, not, now, I'm not saying you won't help, but we have different issues. So what do you do with the coach? I well, mean, I mean, this is also kind of frustrating. You have a guy like Gallant available now. And somebody said to me the other day that maybe it's because the, like Brad and the team might be hesitant because they don't know the full story. Do you think Vegas, maybe there's something else going on? If there was, it would already have come out. And they would have listed it in the reasons for him being fired, I imagine. Okay. Yeah, I can't imagine that being a thing. Like, what he's referring to, if you're not catching on, is like, is there a un- non-performance-related issue going on? Yeah. Bill Peters, we, Montgomery. Because, I mean, we've seen plenty of that this year already. But from what everybody's not said, that doesn't seem to be the case. Maybe he's just doing his due diligence. Because I don't see how I mean you got a pretty good sample size with sample size with Jeff Ward now. If you look at outside of the record, I mean we have a pretty decent record under him. What's the record? It's like sixteen. I don't know the exact record. And I guess maybe it's still too early, but is it? But again, no, it isn't. Because like, if if you look at all the points we've just made, the systems that this team is trying to play does not suit. The strengths of this team. And all of the underlying metrics, again, it'd be a different thing if, like, Jeff Ward took over. Which is the coach's job, by exactly. the way. Exactly. And our shot attempt metrics were great. And our scoring chances metrics were great. And our high danger metrics were great. And our defensive, and our underlying defensive numbers were great. No, they've been just the same. Pretty bad. On a nightly basis, we're outperformed in all those categories. So, like, I don't see any reason. Like, the results, sure, we had a seven-game heater. But outside of that, it's been wildly inconsistent. Win, lose two, shutout, win one. Well, that's the thing. If scrape you, out a win in the shootout. If you subtract their seven game, was it eight, seven game or eight game losing seven streak? Game, yeah. Losing streak though? Oh, the losing streak. It was like six games, wasn't it? They, if you, so if you remove both of those streaks from the season. Yeah. What do you have? You got dick. Nothing. All right. Um, I don't think Brad will probably do anything till the till the. I don't know. Do you think he would wait? Is he? I don't think he's gonna. This is where I get frustrated. Okay, like because it's, for me, I can start to. I think I see part of the issue, and I don't know if the GM does or not. 
Because if he does, he's not doing anything about it, or maybe he just doesn't see it, or maybe he has more information. Well, for me, here's right. Like, again, whether or not he does or does do anything, I don't. I think it's moot. Because can you see this team? Like, and maybe after the All Star break, they do the exact opposite of what they did last year and turn it around. I just like why. Can we start with the transition? Like, is, like I don't. I don't know. It, why like, is somebody asked Jeff Ford? No, you're not. It's 100% true. Anyways, this team, like I said before, this team is not one top six forward away from all of a sudden being one of the best teams in the West or a contender in the playoffs, in my mind. No, we'd be doing we'd be doing fine without that person, even though we know we needed it. They so, would, like, they would push us to another level. Unless there's a hawk, like for me at this point. I would almost be more frustrated if we did something like that, traded Shillington and a pick for Tyler Toffoli, and held on to these depreciating assets, Hamannick, Brody, so on and so forth, and went into the offseason, like if you make the playoffs and if you make the playoffs with that team, you're probably not going too far. But going into the offseason with the exact same team and then losing Brody and Hamannick for nothing probably, I would almost be more frustrated with that. Yeah. And Brad selling off the deadline a little bit. Uh, listen, I think, and I think Brad is is has been working on this as well. But I think if you're Brad, you're living and you're trying to make a trade, you're trying to do a player swap. You're not trading at this point. I don't think he's he's interested in trading futures. Neither, I don't think he should be. No, that's the point. But if I'm looking at the roster, two guys that stand out that would be. Probably sought after from other teams that you could get something for right now. I'm fine with Backland. Yep. And and probably the number one reason is because of the same number one reason I was okay with Froley getting moved is that in the past two three seasons, outside of being really hot on the 3M line at times, it was the same thing with Froelich. He never really fit in anywhere permanently. Well, again, like I think Backlund went went from being incredibly underrated to way overrated in like the span of a season, and he hasn't been that effective a hockey player in the last two seasons for sure. And I kind of feel like Backlund's in the same spot as like we don't really have a spot permanent spot for him right now. He's just getting pushed around. The all only problem the with him is that he does have a no trade clause, and he's making five point three five until he's thirty four. So it's, it's probably very unlikely. It's probably very unlikely. So then the other guy, where, where are you at with Sam Bennett? Because there, I, there's again, a guy you can get value for. If you can get for. something back for him, I'm fine with it. But it just, so this is like, and I kind of but said But it this, frustrates you. Right, exactly. It's like, why are we having to give up a guy who could be good because you can't get something else done? It's like, it's frustrating to me that we, again, Michael Ferliku didn't fit on the team, but he's more effective than Lucic, Jankowski, Reader, Ronaldo, half those guys. He's better than those guys. Same with Sam Bennett. So it's like Brad's trading guys who are valuable because we have just a bunch of shit sitting around. So it's like I would much rather have him not signed any of these guys or have any of these guys on the team and acquire somebody properly. And it's like now we have to give Sam Bennett away for something? Like why did he do this to start the season? What, sorry? He brought in... He Reader? brought in, yeah, Reader and Ronaldo were both signed on PTOs. When you already had Quine and Zarnik. Just sitting there. You already knew you had we were one. Ma- I, f- I forgot how mad we were. But we're you already this. had one extra f- forward to start the season. 100%. Like, you don't need all these spare fucking parts. 
and, like, and, and, and we now, have a glut because he signed two PTOs and acquired Lucic. And that's why I say it's a bad combination of mismanagement from both the coach and the GM. Because now that the coach is trying to utilize all these players, it fucks everybody else up. Like, Sam Bennett is now designed... He's been designated to the fourth line. While Lucic is playing on your third line. How is that... And Backlund's playing on your second line. Yeah. Like, Doesn't make any sense. Okay, so... Back to what you could actually do with trades... I think for most people, I think they undervalue Sam Bennett because I still do think it's kind of funny to me because everybody criticizes Gaudreau. Oh, he can't perform in the playoffs. Trade him. But then in the same breath, Eric Francis says this most of the time, in the same breath, they're like, trade Sam Bennett. He sucks. But I guess he's been really good in the playoffs. It's like, so Johnny sucks in the playoffs, so you want to trade him. But Sam Bennett's great in the playoffs, but you also want to trade him. So I'm not like clamoring to trade Sam Bennett, but if somebody comes to you with an offer that makes your team better, yeah, I'm willing to do it. I, I think more than anything, how we look at how this roster is right now, the where it makes most sense to trade from a place of strength is from the defense. Yeah, exactly. And we've been getting a lot of heat for this because everybody seems to misunderstand what we're saying when we say Noah Hannafin is your best trade trip because everyone's like, Whoa! Why would you trade a 22-year-old defenseman on a good contract? It's like, because he's a 22-year-old defenseman on a perceived good value contract with potential. With potential upside. What do you expect other teams are going to be coming and knocking on the door for 29-year-old Travis Hamannick on an expiring deal and just give you whatever you want? No. Like, you telling me Brad Living hasn't been trying to trade Jankowski all year? It's kind of hard when there's no perceived value there. Like, you think you're going to get anything worth your time, roster-wise, th- for Travis Hamannick? You think teams are just going to give away other top six guys? For an expiring contract defenseman who's almost 30? No! Unless their guy's on an expiring contract? Like, that's the argument people keep throwing our way. It's like, where would you trade Hannafin? You've got Brody and Hamannick. It's and like, yeah, you're not going to get anything for those guys. And it's been pretty, made pretty clear Brad's interested, and I like this. I like this, He's too. He's interested in someone that has term. So, you telling me, oh, here's a guy coming off the books. He's basically a rental, but we want a top six guy that has term? Yeah, like who's going to make that trade? No one. And the reason, other reason why we're fine with Noah Hannafin is your best trade chip is like, I don't see that much higher of a ceiling. And again, like we could be wrong about this because defensemen do, do, you know, develop later, like, 28, 29, like somebody threw the argument about Hedman, who is a much better defenseman, I may add. But I think that's a risk you're willing to take if you can get back a legit young top, top six guy, is you bet on the fact that Noah Hannafin's not going to turn into this top four defenseman. No. Because I don't think he is right now. Maybe he could get there, but from all signs I've seen throughout his career, he's probably not going to be there. He's probably going to be an okay, okay four yeah. Probably better suited for a 5-6 guy. On Okay. Better suited for a 5-6 guy on a team that has a strong defensive core. Exactly. But he can round out your defense core if you have a weaker core. Totally. So that's why you say Noah Hannafin's a good trick trick. Because he's attractive to a lot of other teams. You can sell his potential, which maybe he does live up to. But I think that's a risk you can take and if, feel okay about. For my evaluation assessment of him, 100% I'm willing to take that risk. Me too. That's why we say he's not only a good trade, he's your best trade chip. 100%. Because he's young, he's under contract, he's a defenseman. Based on what you need and what you're looking for. Now, it would be different. If you're top six, you're happy with it, 
and you just wanted to stack stack up some some assets or some futures. Yeah, exactly. Then you're like, okay, well, let's trade Hamannick or Brody if neither one of them wants to sign. 100%. But you need another top six guy. You need a player in return. And you don't want to give up futures because we don't have any. <laughs> we already gave them all up. <laughs> we already gave them up. Travis Hamannick and Michael Stone and so on and so forth. So maybe... Like, I'm throwing out there all options. That's why I throw in there kind of like Backlund and, and Bennett if you need to get someone back. But I'm kind of at a place where I would rather not take risks on those guys if we don't have to. But then it's just like, then the coach needs to figure it out because well, he's got these lines all fucked up. And see, that's where, it, to me, it's like, I don't even know if a trade is going to help because what is it going to do? What is it going to do if you add somebody? Well, and that's the thing. One is guy. That, You're not one guy away from being all of a sudden this great team from what we've seen this season. Especially when there's no room for another guy. Exactly, because you get all this shit just hanging around. Ronaldo, like, like go through the fucking list. Like you have guys alternating healthy scratch every night because you have too many guys, too many forwards on your roster. So adding another guy, regardless, he has to he has to trade Jankowski and probably another guy like Zarnik. He has to trade at the very least, like just to get rid of some people, he has to trade Jankowski and one of Brody and Hamnick, just because like I think I'm shopping Zarnik too. I'm if, shopping everybody. If you're not gonna play Zarnik, you're on gonna your play team, him, shop him. That's the thing. That needs to be Brad's new mantra. Right? If we're not playing these guys, let's shop them. Because you're just stockpiling them. Again, you have a full you probably in Stockton have a full two lines. That could come up and play in the NHL and be probably more effective. Like you have so many of these guys, get rid of some of them. That's not even to mention the prospects. Exactly, God and Phillips. It's just absurd at this point. So, and now this was, yeah. I mean, even Dubé was part of this conversation. Thanks, thank God they finally brought yeah. him up. Well, who knows? They might send him down eventually. But I mean, all to say is, like, I don't think unless they're legitimately gonna acquire two. Top six guys, fix the lines, and Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan turn it around. I don't see much in terms of a playoff run. Well, here's the thing: like a lot of things need to happen. That's a lot of contingencies. A lot of changes need to be made. Like it needs to turn around on a goddamn dime. Because if nothing changes and we just stay the same, I kind of feel like we we just miss. I do too. Yeah, I guess it, and like, I guess it depends how strong the Pacific is. Well, you got to think Vegas is going to turn it around, you think. Okay, well, what I wanted to also do is get into some predictions. So maybe we, maybe we should do that now. Sure. Maybe let's close out this whole trade chips. Again, I think your your biggest place of trading with from strength is on the defense yep. and those extra guys. Yeah, totally. Like you did it with Froley. Good. You got a third out of that. You still have a couple guys in Zarnik and... Jankowski. Jankowski. At this point, like, Jankowski for anything. Yeah. An eighth. Send him to waivers is what I would do. Why just, wouldn't you? I don't know. The guy has doing. no game. Like, I don't... The fact that he's still on the team boggles my mind. Again, poor mismanagement. Like, it just boggles poor management. my mind. All right, let's get into some predictions. Let's look at the Pacific here, which is interesting because the five teams in the race right now hold the two wild card spots. So, in the West, you have five... Right now, five Pacific teams in the playoffs. Which is insane. And three out. But then let's also look at Winnipeg, Chicago, and Nashville. I mean, do you think Minnesota? Okay, let's start with the Sharks. They're done, right? They have 46 points. 
I mean, it's, They're four it's games quite below. unlikely that they'll be able to turn it around. However, but it's still the Sharks. It's the Sharks. And when you're playing teams like Calgary, I'm not super confident in Edmonton. But this is why I didn't like their coaching change. Yeah, no, me either. Because it, it sets you back another 12 games. Yeah. They might have been able to rebound if they still had DeBoer. Yeah. But because you bring in, I don't even think, I think, Bob Bugner, I think yeah. Bugner is not even close to yeah, where DeBoer is as a coach. So because of that, I'm going to say they missed the playoffs. Well, they're in a pretty big hole right now. In, like the, the 11 points behind the Flames. Yeah. I don't see Minnesota making it. Have you changed at all? Are you still kind of there? Your dark I still horse? think Minnesota could, but I when I see that, I just see Chicago there. I can't see Chicago keeping this up. They've no. been on a bit of a heater lately. Taves has been a beast. Taves has been unreal since the beginning of January. But there's still they have too much youth there. I think. I just I can't see them keeping it up. Nashville, you got to think is going to turn around. Well, this is and the other team I'm thinking is going to start falling off. Is Winnipeg. This Connor is, Hellebuck has saved their ass this year. It's these two teams that interest me is Nashville and Winnipeg. Yeah. Because Nashville's in the same category as Calgary where you're like, well, maybe they're going to turn it around now. Maybe they'll turn it around now. And it's just like Nashville hasn't. They haven't found a, they haven't found that gear yet. Well, they can't score. It's similar to the Flames. But funnily enough, they have way more goals than we do for a team that can't score. Um but yeah, I just with their coaching change. And who's their coach now? Uh, John Hines, the guy who's in New Jersey. See, I don't like that either. I think that I do like I do like their team though. I think they could turn it around. They might squeak in for the last wild card spot. They'll probably be knocking out the door at the end. I'm still gonna say. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I think they'll be on the bubble. And to be honest, I haven't really looked at their underlying numbers or anything at all. So I don't. I like have no idea where they are. I'm just pulling them up here. Money Puck has them ranked as like seventh. So it looks like a lot of their their underlying numbers are there. So it could be suggested they'll probably turn it around. Okay. I definitely have more confidence that they'll be able to overtake Winnipeg than I than I would say Winnipeg has a chance of staying where they are. Well, Winnipeg is starting to falter now. Well, again. Connor Hellebuck has kept that team alive. They've, right. they, they've been just destroyed on defense with all their injuries, guys who've left, yep. Bufflin. Which, again, like Travis Hamannick. Travis Hamannick. To, to Winnipeg, like, hello. Let's do it. Even if you have to throw in a sweetener to get somebody like Ehlers. So I'm not super confident in Winnipeg. I could see Nashville overtaking them. Dallas, I don't know. I mean, they've been pretty good this year. I don't know. I could see Nashville stealing their spot. And then if you're in a wild card race with one, because for me, the top three in the Pacific are not going to be what they are right now. I don't see Vancouver being top in the Pacific. I don't see Edmonton being second. I don't see the Flames being third. Do you see once Kemper's back healthy, Arizona Arizona resurge? Here's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be Vegas one, Arizona two. I hate to say it, Edmonton three. And then you're looking at a battle for the two wild card spots between the Flames Maybe the Jets and Nashville. So Vancouver's out? I, I don't know about Vancouver, man. Do you okay. trust them? They've been pretty up and down this year. Here's what I think. I'm going to go with... Honestly, I think either Arizona or Edmonton is going to win the division. You think Edmonton will? I have no faith in the Oilers. See, but... Yeah, you know what? I think the Flames will finish ahead of the Oilers. Okay. I'll go I'll go Vegas. I think Vegas still I still I can't imagine at the end of the year Vegas is not one or two in the Pacific Division. They're just too good. 
and I'm going to go with Edmonton because they, it pisses me off how I expect them to keep losing and they keep winning. Yeah. So because of that, because of who they have, and I honestly think they're, they're starting to get secondary contribution now, which to me sucks. Their goaltending has been better. I don't know. I I don't know. I just I just kind of have that sense that they're just they're, they're not going away. Look, they haven't gone away all year. I think they'll go away. Really I fucking do. hope they unless do. Connor. Well, which they can. McDavid and Drysaddle can go on a goddamn Herculean I'm, run. I'm gonna say it's a battle between Arizona and Edmonton. I'll give a slight edge to, to Arizona to finish first in the Pacific, and then I'll go. Um, Air, um, Vegas. The again, and the one good thing is like, apparently the central like outside of Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis, they've all sucked this year. So you probably do have a little bit of wiggle room if you're the Flames. Like yep. that's the that's your one saving grace is that those teams are behind. Like even if you fall out of the out of the Pacific divisional playoff spot right now, you've got a three point cushion on Winnipeg and Chicago with a game in hand on, on Chicago. But keep in mind, Nashville does have only 47 games played. They've got one of the lowest games played in the in the league right now. So they could go on a run. But you're, you've still got six points on them. But yep. if, if they win all those games, then they're right there. So. I honestly, I don't see a lot of change. Obviously, St. Louis and Colorado are way ahead of the pack. But I don't see much of a change in the Central at the top three. St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas. So for the for those two wild card spots, I think it's gonna be a battle between Calgary, Nashville, and Vancouver. I think Calgary will get a spot, and then I'm probably gonna go with Nashville, the slight edge over Vancouver and Winnipeg. See, like it scares me though when you see the Flames are literally the only team in the playoffs with a negative goal differential, and I mean, it's but just, that can be that can be you can look at it both ways. Can he come back? This is like we. This is as bad as we can get. Is it? I think so. You, you've if, said this many times. Look how many year. points our fucking top guys have. Could they get any less points? You, you'd think not, but could who knows, we, dude? Could we score any less? Who knows? So I'm like, if this is the worst we are, and we're a playoff team, I like. You gotta think we get better in the second half. We like, have. You, you gotta think. At the end of the day, the Calgary Flames are 25th in goals for per game. In the league. And who's that around? And 19th. New Jersey. In goals against. So goals for you're in the Columbus, New Jersey range, Dallas, San Jose, LA. That's a huge problem. We're scoring just over 2.02 goals per 60 minutes. Okay. Can the coach figure this out? Like he needs to fix the lines, man. Like I'm getting really, it's not good. Three things need to happen immediately for this team. To get back to somewhere. To Brad, be, I think it starts with Brad. It starts with Brad. Brad needs to make some changes. Cut the fat, Brad. And bring in some lean muscle. Number two, the coach needs to fix how fix. this team plays. Period. And I think if Brad cuts some fat, that'll help make his, make his decisions easier. Number three, even though I don't think the coach and the GM have given them the optimal position to play in with the system, with the players they're playing with, Gaudreau and Monaghan... Need to wake the fuck up. Yeah. Number four. Where the fuck is our transition game? Bring it back. All of those things need to happen. I think all of those things feed into why all of those things are bad. Gaudreau and Monaghan, I think they've been bad regardless. But if the coach, 
if Brad, if Brad Living brought in a proper top six guy to play with them, if the coach adjusted the way they play to suit their style of game, if the coach adjusted the lines, they'd be better. Brett, okay. Jeff Ward needs to be a lot better than he was in the f- first half. Like he need he has to be better. Jeff Ward has to get better. Totally. And then I think another thing again, and this comes up a little less because we have stopped scoring so much. Some way, and I again, this is what boggles my goddamn mind is that you put the forward lines in a blender when you first started here, yet the defensive pairings stay the same. Yep. Like even though we've been scoring at a way lower rate than last year. We've been allowing way more, way more. Even though our goaltending, our goaltending, our save percentage last year was 91.8. This year, it's 92.3. Yet, we're still giving up more goals. We're way too leaky. Change the defensive pairings. Please. You have to, like, and I cannot emphasize this enough. You have to split up Hannafin and Hamannick. You fucking have to. Those guys are a train wreck in their own zone. I don't get why they don't do this yet. I don't get how you can be managing a, a team in the NHL. I said that really. They don't do this yet. And have an analytics team, yet you continue to keep these this pairing together. Like, how do you do that? When Especially when, what, Noah has pretty decent numbers when he plays with Ras? Yeah, Noah and Rasmus have shown to be... A very effective pairing. Like in the last two seasons, how many to- how many different variations of forward lines have a we million. have we probably seen? Well, not enough, but still more than. And the defensive like, pairings like have on been it, touched. Like, like honestly, though, do you think it's been over hundred? No, probably. In the last two, maybe that's seasons. maybe that's a stretch. Maybe it's like sixty. Maybe it's like around sixty. All told, variations probably. How many the defensive defensive never, pairings? The only pairings seen. you've seen change. Occasionally, Hannafin plays with Anderson. Whoever recently, whoever plays with Geo, that's the only thing yeah, that ever exactly. changes. Who's who's playing with Geo and who's playing on the third pairing? Hannafin and Hamannick have never like. I don't understand why they haven't done that. And if you haven't been listening up till this point, the reason why they're so bad—they're both poor defensively. Hamannick in particular. And this isn't just an eye. This is not just eye test. This is analytics. Their shot, their shot metrics against are quite bad. Again, specifically Hamannick. Hannafin's been better this season on his own. Well, you've made this point before is like sometimes when defensemen have a lot of shots blocked, it's an indication that they don't have very good gap. Exactly. Because you're still like having a high amount of shot blocks means you're on the ice for a lot of shots against, like shot attempts against. The other team has the puck in your zone a lot and the shooting a lot. That's why you're having to block so many goddamn shots. So people, some oh, I have a Hannafin like Derek Wills. Oh, he's a great stay-at-home defenseman, blocks a ton of shots. No, actually. Actually, he's terrible defensively. So those two guys, like, I can't believe that, I can't, like, I don't know how the coaching staff hasn't changed this up. Especially when you've seen Hannafin play with a true defensive defenseman in Anderson to a great, a pretty good degree of success. Yeah. I so mean, you got to do that. If you're looking at, was it expected goals against their fourth worst in the league? The, the pairing themselves, I haven't checked it in a couple weeks, but the pairing themselves is definitely top 10, definitely top 5 worst in expected goals against for 60 minutes. Yeah. And then here's the thing. If you're looking at expected goals against, which maybe just explain what that is real quick. Yeah, it's just like it, it, it accounts for shot quality essentially is what that does. It's based on the shot quality you're allowing, yeah. how many on average goals per game you're allowing. Yeah. 
you're getting scored while you're on. Exactly. Um, so it's not goals, it's expected goals. So even if the actual goal total isn't there, it's like given the shot quality, where it was from, what kind of shot it was, whether it was a rebound or rush rush attempt, what the chances that goal would have gone in. So it's a, it's a metric of how many quality quality scoring chances you're giving up essentially. And if you're a decor a deep pairing, there's another management that goes hand in hand with that. You want especially if you're expected goals against as high like them, like their fourth worst pairing in the league. Yeah. The last time we checked. Then your expected goals four needs to be pretty damn high too. And what's hilarious is that theirs is high on average, but the percentage is below fifty because their expected goals against is so bad. So it's like they do create a little bit of offense, but their defensive game is so bad it's not even worthwhile. So what that means, statistically speaking, every time that that pairing is on the ice, the chances are in favor of the other team. Scoring. Scoring over you. That's why you need to break this fucking you gotta pairing it. up. And then it's like, once now use your eye test. Whenever you get hemmed, whenever we're hemmed in our own end, more often than not, it happens with Just other team end too. And again, they, again like I want to reiterate that Hannafin has been better this year. But like you're saying, when the puck is in our own zone, I always tell people to do this as an exercise because they're always like, I watch. I was like, okay, watch a whole game and just watch when we're in our zone and just see who's on the ice because it's usually Hannafin and Hamannick when we can't get out of our own zone. Yeah. So I don't mean to, well, I do mean to pick on them because they need to be split up immediately because I think lost in a lot of the fact that we can't score is that even though our goaltending has been markedly better this season, we're still giving up way more goals. So, what pairings do you want to see? I want to see Geo and Brody. I agree. I want to see Rasmus and Hannafin. I agree. And then you do Hamannick and Shillington. Yep. That's what you do. And then it's interesting that we'll see, because you have 32 games left. It's coming down to the wire. And you got Val Mackey probably returning halfway through that. So, if that stipulation is true, where if he plays less than 10 games this year, he could be... Um, exempt from the expansion draft, which is obviously, if that's the case... If you that's wanna, the case, you've got to do it. But it, it's not even going to be hard to do because you are already got only 32 games left. He's not even near return. He's got to do conditioning. But obviously, he throws a wrinkle on that. Maybe we don't even get that far ahead of ourselves. I agree. I would do Geo, Brody, Rass, Hannafin, Shillington with Hamannick. So there's your... Uh, there, there's your... This is your synopsis analysis of where we are at the All-Star Again, like rate. I, I don't think it's negative. It's just what's what what's happened this season. Like if we had done this last season, it would have been completely different. Well, and that's the thing is like your job analyzing the team from a management perspective is to figure out what's wrong. And again, you don't get this much in the in the media for sure. Because it's hilarious to me when it's like on the all, all you hear in the media is like they always say in nine sixty. Oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. What do you mean? It's your job. Talk about it. I think most people are giving the Flames too much of a pass. I agree. Especially fans. But maybe it's they're just standing up for the players, which I I can get behind that. I think 80% of this team struggles is all pointed at management. Oh, totally. But and then but then they're, those same people are defending the coach and the GM. So Exactly. It's like it's got to be flipped. Like, again, as much as Gaudreau has struggled and needs to turn it around this season, like I keep saying this. Imagine you're John, be, put yourself in Johnny Gaudreau's shoes. You've carried this team on your back for five years, five, six years. 
You're consistently one of the best. You're the best player on the team. Your GM has done virtually nothing to get you help. You continue to score. You've put up seasons of 84 and 99 points. Career year last year. But for some reason, anytime the team struggles, everybody blames you. Even though the GM has done very little to help you, the coaching staff doesn't seem to be doing much, everybody wants you out. You're the problem, even though you've been this team's best player for six years. Yeah, because Brad always comes back to this thing of like, we believe in this team. But it's like, if you believe in the team, then keep adding. Like, I can imagine that gets frustrating for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau to yeah. consistently hear and be criticized when he's been the backbone of this team for six years. So. Anyways, you know what? I'm at a place where I, I really do have faith in Tree Living right now that he's going to, his next move will be good. I have faith, well, <laughs> I don't know if I have faith. Hey, be real, I, man. You know where you're at. I, I, I'm still not super, until I see otherwise, I'm kind of like Tom, doubting Thomas right now. Until I see like Jesus has risen from the dead. Until I see Brad Tree Living, because all it is is talk, right? Yep. Until I see him... Until he shows me something, until the results are there, I'm not super confident. So we'll leave it at that. This has been a bit long. I, I think he'll do something, and probably soon we'll we'll be coming on here and doing a breakdown of what just happened. We'll be like, what a great trade by Brad. Well, we'll see. Woohoo. We'll see. Anyways, all right. All right, Flames fans. Let, it, well, you said it was long, but hey, what else are you going to do? What there's else no, are you going to do? There's no hockey there's on. No hockey? You want to hear hockey? Come on. You want to talk hockey? By the way, um, Update on the t-shirts. Do we have an update? The The original design is ready. Now we're just trying to find someone. The guy that did the design sucks at font. Hopefully he's not listening. Um, so we're trying to find another font designer to make sure it says stay off the tracks right underneath. So I think but we'd rather do it like cool. Because it'll, it'll go past. It'll be it'll be a timeless piece. It'll live on. Like you, even if you wanted it for the 29th, you're not going to get it. But it'll be past that. It'll be... And it'll be better. Yeah. And you'll want it. It'll be cool. Yeah. So we'll, ha we'll have that out soon. We'll have some news on that. Stay posted. Thanks for listening.